Museum of the Moving Image welcomes you to the Pinewood Dialogues Online, an archive of conversations with innovative creative figures in film, television, and digital media. Visit Museum of the Moving Image in New York City or online at www.movingimage.us. Please welcome Fernando Morelli. Please welcome Rachel Weiss. To start off, Fernando, this um, project, I guess there was originally a different director assigned to it, and I just yes, wanted to Mike ask... Mike Newell, yeah. Right. Um, but then he was invited to do Harry Potter, and so they, <laughs> <laughs> so they, they invited me. <clears throat> and um, could you tell us your first um, response and interest in the project? What, what um, attracted you to this, to either the novel or the film? I think the first thing was the possibility of shooting in Africa. I had been to Kenya uh, right after getting the script. I mean, mm -hmm. actually, I was coming from Kenya to London to do something else, and I was given the script. And, uh, and so I think to shoot, shoot in Kenya was a, the main reason. And then, I mean, it was a story, int very interesting story, dealing with pharmaceutical industry, which is a big issue in Brazil. Our government mm -hmm. is fighting with the pharmaceutical industry for the last, in the last five years, and I've been reading about it in front pages. I mean, and, and also because Ray Fiennes was already attached to the project, mm -hmm. and I thought it would be great to work with a solid actor for <laughs> once in my <laughs> lifetime at least. <laughs> so, uh, so this was a good, I mean, a good reason as well. What did you feel that you wanted to do to the book that was uh, maybe different than Mike Newell would have done, or, or, or in, in terms of your adaptation? I think um, one of the things that I think is great about the film is, is the texture that it has and its um, authenticity in terms of its depiction of African life. Yeah, well, of course, when I got involved, I, I, I wanted to change things in the script, and, and I've done it. I think what, I, what I've uh, changed from the first version to this version is that uh, the first version was much more about the, this, this British class system, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, the relation between all the characters was based on, I mean, who was working class, who was upper class, was all, all based on that. And I really uh, don't understand that much, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so instead of trying to understand, I just took it out of the film. <laughs> and, and I also, yeah, and I also tried to, to include Kenya more than it was in the first script. Right. So the, there was a lot of scenes that was, uh, was supposed to happen inside offices, or, and I tried to, to bring to streets or, or real places like markets or a slum or... So uh, I think this film, uh, in this film, we show more of Kenya than in the first version. And you actually were able to film in Kenya. I mean, I guess it was not originally assumed that the film would be shot there. It's a film that's critical. Yeah, of, the first of idea was the Kenyan to shoot, government of the past. The first idea was to shoot in South Africa, but uh, I really, when I, as I was saying, my motivation to do the film was to shoot in Kenya. So, and, and Kenya is very different from South Africa. South Africa, right. I mean, really looks like Los Angeles. It's a bit different, but it's, it's the same kind of, I don't know if who, who, who has been there, but it really uh, looks a bit like Los Angeles. And, and it was almost a condition for me to shoot in Kenya, and, and the production agreed, and, and we, we went to Kenya. Okay. Now, I'll put you on the spot in front of Rachel and ask you how you came to cast her. And I guess I had read... Um, earlier accounts that said that you met, were interested in first casting a very young teenager. And then there was a sort of flap in the press about Nicole Kidman. But if you could talk maybe about the casting 
Yeah, well, actually, actually uh, Rachel was the first actress who I met. I mean, when I went to Kenya, to, to, sorry, to, to London to start pre-production, uh, I think you, you had a day off or something, and we met. And, and I, was, I wasn't uh, uh, talking to actresses yet because mm -hmm. I was involved in other things, but uh, Rachel could come, and, and we spoke, and I had a very uh, strong impression. I, I even thought that that actress has something to do with Tessa, And, and at that point, she knew much more about Tessa than myself because I was involved in everything with location and, and finding crew and everything. And she was thinking about Tessa. So uh, she taught me a lot about the character, and I was very impressed. And then uh, I decided to, to go for a very young Tessa, like 18-year-old girl. And so I've spoken to very young actresses. And then reading some, some, some lines, I realized that uh, it wouldn't work Because, I mean, nobody would believe in a girl like 18 or 19-year-old who would die for a cause. A very young Tessa would just look like a, a teenager bad behaving, you know. <laughs> and, so, and so in the end, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of actors, but I, I came back to Rachel because the impression, the first impression was really strong. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. So what were some of the things that you were saying early on about the, about the character? How did you see the character from the beginning? Well, obviously, someone who's very, very passionate. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was fa I've always been fascinated by people who devote, as people do, not many mm -hmm. of us, who devote mm -hmm. their lives to causes mm -hmm. and will put their life in harm's way to do what they believe is right. I've always been fascinated by those people. What is it that makes them tick? What is mm -hmm. it that makes them like that? Mm -hmm. And um, so for me, that's what I was, I was really drawn to. Obviously, I'm very different. I'm, I'm an actress. I'm a storyteller, <laughs> not an activist. But um, it was the idea of getting into the skin of someone who was that driven and that passionate and that, uh, that focused. At the end of the film is a credit to a, a real-life activist, towards the very end of the credits. Yes, yeah, she was uh, the person that Jean Le Carre was really writing about. Mm -hmm. who's, it was kind of an homage to, to mm -hmm. her. He said she was somebody who lived and died giving a damn. Yeah. The love story is so essential to the film. I mean, you're, first of all, obviously, you're, the character has an, such an enormous importance to the film in terms of making it believable and making Ray Fine's transformation believable. Um, could you talk a bit about like, how you made the love story work, the fact that these were two, in a way, such opposite characters? Yet um, you have this line early on about you uh, telling him that uh, he makes you feel safe. I feel safe with you. I think it's often true uh, in mm -hmm. life that opposites attract. I think that she's unruly, wild, a little unstable, mm -hmm. um, and he is calm, reserved, and extremely stable and very centered. Mm -hmm. and I think he provides her uh, with a kind of... He's her rock, if you like. Mm -hmm. And I think that she... Maybe I'm being presumptuous, <laughs> but I think she provides a little passion and spirit in a, mm -hmm. in a life that would maybe be otherwise a little bit arid. Mm -hmm. So I think they, they, they give each other ingredients that the other is in need of. And how we did it in actuality as mm -hmm. actors, do you... Well, that's also... Yeah, I'm interested in that, too, because I think... Um... We drank a special love <laughs> potion. <laughs> you can buy it at... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's to do with... 
chemistry happens. Right. I don't think you can control it or, or make it happen. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that for, for the way in which Fernando likes to work, he likes yeah. to improvise. Yeah, and, and very yeah. luckily, both Rafe and myself love to work in that way. Some mm-hmm. actors don't like to, which is completely fair enough. So Fernando really encouraged us not to be too respectful of the script at all times. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we had to be, obviously, in the more kind of classical thriller, se- yeah. thriller sequences, but in the love sequences between the husband and wife at home we really were improvising so mm-hmm. i think it was that freedom and that liberation that which is mm-hmm. all credit to the way fernando works that created a kind of a mm-hmm. he was my husband <laughs> so there were scenes uh, like the scene where you're talking about what to name the baby for example was that there was a shape to the mm-hmm. script which kind of we covered but we were weaving in in and out of the, of the script so um Pieces are improvised and pieces are part of the script. Yeah, Is it, would, would you agree? Yeah, that yes. scene? Yeah. yeah, it's like jazz. You have the melody yeah. and you just yeah. go yeah. around and, and yeah. It's very jazz with Fernando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it is yeah. in the best. Yeah. Um, in terms of camera work, for example, is there a uh, sort of a documentary style to how you're shooting? And, <laughs> and and it seems like some of the interactions with the sort of crowd scenes and, and the sort of street scenes. Yeah, well, f- to shoot the street scenes and, and uh, instead of going with a lot of equipment and crew and trucks and, and we, we did the other way around. We went with a very small crew, little small camera, four or five people uh, in, in, in I mean, shooting. So we could really shoot in the middle of real people in, in their real life and nobody would notice that we were doing a movie. Mm-hmm. So we've done that a couple of times. in, in Little camera. This. Yeah, so yeah. we were using this uh, 16 millimeters, a camera called Aton, uh, a minima from Aton. It's really this big, 16. So nobody mm. really sees that you're you're shooting a movie. It's otherwise, because you, if you use, I mean, big equipment and, and and big crew and everything, you really stop the life. I mean, if you when you go to a place with hundreds of people and trucks and everybody will stop to to look to you and and. So we were trying to be as as discreet as we could, as, you know, very discreet. So mm-hmm. some parts of the film feels like a documentary because we're really uh, shooting in real places with real people. Yeah. In terms of the political impact of the film, uh, by explicitly bringing Iraq into the dialogue and in, into that scene early on, can you just talk a bit about that? About what a lot of the film is is um, sort of general. That's very specific. Yeah, well, that that was one of the changes of the script, because the in the first version, the discussion in that lecture hall was uh, was about diplomacy. What what was the purpose of diplomacy, and was a very specific uh, subject that nobody would be really interested in. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it's true, it's true. And then and then uh, we thought that talking about Iraq would be great because it would set up the time. I mean, we would know when that story was beginning, and uh, and everybody has an opinion on on that. So yeah. Yeah. it's easier to set up the story, I thought. Yeah, little do we know it would still still be current. I, yeah, I didn't think it would be. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Yeah. And again, she was uh, Tessa was saying that you, you're going for a war just because of oil. It's again corporation controlling government. Yeah. That's what the film is about: government and, and corporations working together and, and yeah. running our lives. So, it's almost the same subject. Okay, um, let's open it up to the audience if people have questions. Well, the question is that this seems, in, in, a, in a way, to share so many of the concerns and to seem such a natural choice for you. That you're surprised to hear that you weren't the first choice. For, 
Oh, really? You know what? <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, Simon, the producer, he said he, he thought about me because uh, it was a British story by a British writer with British actors, and, and he, he thought it was too British. And he needed, some, <laughs> yeah, he needed somebody from outside to, to, to tell the story. Well, actually, for me, it was, was just uh, by coincidence, because I was in London. I was presented to, to Simon by chance, and he just got the script from the shelf and said, take a look. Do you want to? I mean, it was pure accident for me. But he said he thought about my name before, and, and, but I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and how many I thought it was a chance. I yeah. mean, he, needed a, he lost his director. Mike Newell uh, had gone, so he needed somebody. I was in front of him. Why not? Just read it, you know? <laughs> Uh, that's, uh, but after City of God, which was such an enormous worldwide success and got you an Academy Award nomination, um, you had many offers to make different things. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I had a, uh, a lot of offers, especially from, from American studios, but uh, I was not thinking about doing a film in English. And, but then because of the conditions, and, and this, was, uh, this was not a studio movie, it was an independent project, and I, th I felt that I would have some control and... That's why I decided to do it. Yeah, and I would guess City of God attracted you to wanting to make this. Wildly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm imagining it must have been very liberating to play a character like this, who um, sort of is un unruly and speaks her mind, sort of says things she's not supposed to say. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> very much so. There's also an enigmatic side to the character. I mean, there are things that we don't know about mm -hmm. her and sort of mysteries about her. I'm just wondering how much you sort of had in mind in terms of answering those questions. I think everything gets pretty much answered mm -hmm. by the end. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this, what's brilliant about the narrative structure is that it sets her off in a way that she seems to be something that she's not. She seems to be, there's a whole list of things, unfaithful, mm -hmm. um, uh, what else? <laughs> I can't think of all the things. But, you know, yeah. it, it, it's manipulative in that you, you, you see her in a certain way and then mm -hmm. slowly but surely you realize that uh, mm -hmm. she isn't who you thought she was. Mm -hmm. So um, <laughs> I didn't have to act mysteriously. <laughs> the structure kind of did that for right. me. Yeah. And you originally were not going to have the murder revealed in the beginning of the film. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, we, we tried... Uh, I think six different ways to, to begin the film, to start the film. Yeah. We first edited in a linear way, just to understand the whole thing, but the film uh, really didn't work um, when, when the story was told in linear. Mm. You know, and from the beginning to, it was very boring, actually. <laughs> and, and, and so we tried, I mean, several different ways to start, to, and, and, and we finally came to this uh, last version uh, on the cutting room. Mm. I think... Uh, this film was really, uh, we really found the film in the cutting room. Hmm. We worked for me and Claire Simpson, the editor, for three months just to put the scenes together. And then we spent another three months trying to find a different structure to make the story more interesting and, and hmm. more, sometimes more mysterious or sometimes more. And, and I think it's really a film shaped in, in yeah. the cutting room. Okay, in terms of visual style, do you have any particular influences, whether it's either filmmakers or anything? No, in the visual style, I don't think so. I mean, the, the visuals of my films are really, uh, the credits are for Cesar Shaloni, the DOP yeah. with whom I work with, you know? Of course, I have influences from uh, other directors, but I, I don't think that visually, it's really much more Cesar, the DOP. He, I think he's, this is his area, and, and, uh, and our films, sometimes they look a bit different because of the way we shoot. 
we don't prepare the scene for the camera, for a certain camera position. We, we just do like a flat light, and then we usually perform the scene from the beginning to the end. And we never break the scenes, you know. The actors, they just perform the whole thing, and the camera just tries to, to catch it, to get it like a documentary. We just perform the scene on set, and then we take a look, well, let's cover from here, let's cover from here, now let's give a bit more of him. And, and always shooting the scene from the top to the end, never breaking scenes. And, and uh, I'm always uh, telling him, now, give me the close-up. In this moment, go to, to, I mean, to the actor's close-up, because I need a tight shot of that, or give me a wide shot of missing... I, I, usually I'm watching what we're doing and, and, and editing at the same time in my head, of course. And yeah, and so we're, we're, each time we do the scene, I ask him to give me a bit of that, a bit of that, and, and it's an interesting process. But we've been working together for 15 years, so we really we know each other very, very well. Okay, in terms of the editing, if there were different challenges in this film, which has a different, very different style to him than City of God. Yeah, yeah. my first idea was, was to work with the same editor, with Danny, again. But uh, this was supposed to be a British film, so we couldn't have a uh, foreign uh, crew. It was only me and the DOP, so I couldn't have uh, Danny. So I first had a, a, a British editor... And he started working, and, uh, and it didn't work much. I mean, he's a very good editor. Uh, and, and all the sequences that he'd done, I mean, in rhythm, it was very, very uh, well put together. But his, his, uh, his vision of, of, of acting it was very different from mine. I mean, every time he was choosing the wrong takes, not the wrong takes, but the takes that I wouldn't use, you know. So uh, after one a month, I decided to... to change the editor and I found Claire Simpson which I mean it, it, she's brilliant because she, she understands a lot of uh, about structure and she really helped me to find the film again and she also is very sensitive for actors you know she, she really because when you're, when you're shooting a film sometimes there are some, in some takes specific uh, moments or, or little things that actors that they do that you need to see that I mean if the editor doesn't see it, you, you lose it. Almost all the moments that I, I, I would remember that was good in, on set uh, was uh, on, on her cut. She was fantastic. So, and What was your response in terms of seeing how the film was edited, seeing it through the different process, steps of that process? Um, I didn't really see it many, uh, many steps apart from the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, extraordinary. I mean, the... the film that I had in my head mm-hmm. was uh, very dull in comparison <laughs> to the poetry that, yeah. that Fernando and Claire came up with. It was revelatory to me as it would have been for you, even mm-hmm. though you weren't in it and you hadn't <laughs> been in Africa and you hadn't been there because it was completely, uh, you know, it, it, you know it, was a, it was a work of art, the way he and Claire put, put the pieces of film together and changed the structure. I mean, the tr- structure was changed a lot in the edit room from the script that I'd read and mm-hmm. been performing from so my arc or through line or yeah. the order or whatever you want to call it was completely different to the final film so it was my my hair was standing on end <laughs> when i when i saw it. it was extraordinary yeah okay in terms of the music is it kenyan music Could you talk a bit about the, no, the musician is alberto iglesias he, he usually does all of the, the, the soundtracks for almodovar 
And no, he's using uh, orchestra and some African instruments, but a lot of orchestra and uh, and we have also a, a Kenyan uh, singer called Ayuba Ogada. He this last song is from Ayuba. There's like three songs from from him. This guy, after we finished the the soundtrack, I mean, we record all the music. We called Ayuba, and he, he plays an instrument called Nayatiti, which is a typical instrument from Kenya. So in each, almost uh, every track uh, from, from the, the soundtrack, he would play the Nayatiti over the, the orchestra. And So if you uh, pay attention, there's this Nayatiti from the beginning to the end. Sometimes we, we barely uh, hear, but there's this, this Kenyan... Uh, sound from the beginning to the end. Yeah. And what was the experience for you, and also of being um, sort of um, spending all this time in, in Kenya and seeing what you were exposed to, what the conditions were? Okay. Yeah, I guess if both of you could answer that. It was a very smooth uh, sh- shooting. I mean, we, we didn't have any big problem, only uh, normal problems that you have in a, during uh, shooting. So... This was the first time that I was only directing the film. Usually I produce whatever I, I, I direct. So for me, I mean, I, I know it was a very complicated and sometimes for, for the production, but for me it was very easy. I mean, it was the most relaxing experience of directing that I've ever had. It's really, really... I mean, everything I asked was there and provided was really... was easy from my, my point of view. <laughs> what about you? Well, I'd been to Kenya before as a tourist. Um... But obviously I I saw making this film a completely different Kenya. Um, We were filming in in real locations. So the maternity hospital was a real working maternity (coughs) hospital. Kibera, the slum, obviously, as as you realize, it wasn't a film set. They weren't film extras. We were filming in in a community of... um, Close to It's close to a million people living there. In fact, if you look at the map of Nairobi, it's not there. It's just green. Mm. It's as if there's nobody there. And it's a shanty town where there's no running water, no electricity, no sanitation. I mean, it's poverty on a level that I've never remotely uh, experienced or seen. It was shocking, and it is tragic and shameful that such poverty is allowed to exist. But after spending a few days there, um, in the slum, for instance, it, it was... It's, it's very difficult to explain, but the, the people who live there, the life there, the spirit, the nobility, the dignity of these people and the, the lust for life that they have and their little cinemas and little pubs and barbershops and, and the choir, like the choir who sings at uh, my funeral. It's a real choir from the community. I mean, it's a vibrant life there. And um, very soon I, I felt completely relaxed and and. and and uh, welcomed and, and these people's hospitality was just extraordinary so rather like Fernando was saying that for me there were no um, problems I mean, there was a, there was shock initially um, but uh, it was a it was became it was where my character was most relaxed was with these people working in this place and it's where I became most relaxed and then when we went to out of Nairobi we were filming in remoter parts where there were no hotels or anything we were living in tents so we were living in these uh, a tented city literally is like a row of tents hundreds of tents and everyone had their own tent that they were zipped up into at night and uh I've never been camping, so it was, it was the greatest adventure. But I didn't have to fly in all the tents. You know, so that was 
the location manager and they had to fly in water and tents and dig the to- you know dig the holes for the toilets you know it was like a lot of work had to be done but we yeah. we just arrived there and had a nice tent so it was yeah. <laughs> it was really it was really it was incredible adventure and a, and, a, and a real privilege to get to see parts of a country and meet people that as a tourist you just would never never meet yeah Okay, well, um, I promise we'll try to get Rachel to come back to, when we show the fountain. And um, we would love to see you. No, I'm, I'm starting to shoot something in July. Let's see. Okay, and we'll see you back here with that film, whatever Thank you, you So thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you for listening. The Pinewood Dialogues at Museum of the Moving Image are made possible by generous support from the Pannonia Foundation. To learn more about the museum, visit www.movingimage.us.